I'm Shanna Hutchison, dietitian, blogger, and mama, born and raised in the heart of the Midwest. I believe that wellness goes way beyond what we eat and that our body size does not determine our worth. I'm passionate about showing other women how to live a life they truly love, one that feels purposeful, that helps them feel their best physically, mentally, and emotionally, and that being a mom can be one of the best things you ever do without it becoming your entire identity. This is a place you can come to hear vulnerable and interesting conversations about health and wellness, motherhood, entrepreneurship, and more. If you want to find freedom with food, learn how to improve your overall well-being, and stop waiting for a number on the scale to start living your best life and go after your goals, then you're in the right place. I'm so excited to learn and grow together. This is the Wellness for the Win podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I am super excited to be sitting down with another fellow dietitian today to talk all things nutrition. She is really passionate about helping women not feel exhausted and burnt out all the time. And if you have digestive issues or other chronic health issues, Rachel Sandoval is your girl. She is, like I said, a fellow dietitian who has her own private practice here in Kansas City. Um, So Rachel, I'm just going to go ahead and kick it right off to you to tell us about yourself, who you are as a human and as a dietitian, how you got into nutrition in the first place and all the things. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. So yes, I'm a dietitian and I have training in functional medicine or integrative medicine, um, which is a little bit different from sort of traditional nutrition. So I got into that when I had a lot of health problems. When I was 18, I got really, really sick and had so much fatigue and pain and all kinds of things that I could barely function. I had to drop out of college. I had to, I could only work like four hours a day. Um, It was um, really intense. And so I, I found functional and integrative nutrition after I worked with a million doctors and couldn't get better. Um, It was that approach that really helped me. And so then of course I decided to become a dietitian, Mm -hmm. study functional medicine, um, functional nutrition, and here we are. So what that looks like is just a little bit different approach. We're really digging into sort of deep, deep nutrition root causes for things that are going on. So nutrient imbalances, for example, that might cause somebody to feel fatigued or um, contribute to digestive problems, things like that. So I have a private practice here in Kansas City, and I also work part-time at KU Med. So I have lots of different things going on. I have a little almost 11-month-old baby named Everest. Yes. Um, So that's a little bit about me. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So you can kind of speak to the postpartum part of things too, because you've had that personal experience now as well, which I think, you know, majority of my listeners are women and many of Mm -hmm. them are also mamas. So Mm -hmm. I think so many women that follow me and that listen are burnt out and depleted and lacking energy and like Mm -hmm. thinking, what the heck can I do to feel like myself again and feel like I have energy to chase my kiddo or just like live my life. So I think this will be super helpful and relevant for my audience. And I appreciate you sharing kind of your personal experience with that as well. Um, Mm -hmm. So I imagine like you mentioned, you talked or worked with a bunch of doctors through that time. Did you Mm -hmm. also work with a dietitian then um, that kind of sparked your interest in becoming one yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I worked with a dietitian, actually a couple different dietitians. Okay. Um, and I did so many different things. I mean, elimination diets and supplements and medications and all the different things. Um, and I made progress gradually. You know, I worked mm-hmm. on my gut health. I worked on nutrient imbalances. Um, and I made a lot of progress. But after many years of 
you know, taking baby steps, but still never getting quite to a hundred percent. I learned that I was just really stressed and that that was a huge piece of why it took me so long to get better. And so it's part of why I'm so passionate about helping women who are burnt out because I experienced Mm -hmm. it both at the beginning, but just through the years of, you know, adulthood craziness. Mm -hmm. And then yeah, having a kid pregnancy, having Mm -hmm. kids add the whole nother layer Yeah, um, that is so crazy. So yes, I'm super excited to talk (laughs) about all the ways we can improve our energy. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's first dive into, like you mentioned, nutrient imbalances and how that can impact our energy levels. What are Mm -hmm. some of the most common deficiencies that you see in women or clients that you work with? What is your process for testing people for those? Or how could people go about it through their doctor? Yeah. So when I'm looking for nutrient imbalances, I'm looking for deficiencies, certainly, but I'm also looking for suboptimal levels. So you can have, you know, low normal nutrients Mm -hmm. and still Mm -hmm. not feel great, even though it's technically not a deficiency. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm also looking at ratios of different minerals or nutrients. So zinc and copper, for example, um, vitamin A and vitamin D, we can look at the ratios of those in the blood. So some of the most common deficiencies that I see are vitamin B12, vitamin Mm -hmm. D and iron, especially, you know, iron postpartum is a really common one. And then vitamin D just is very common in general. Mm-hmm. So those yep. are kind of the top three that I see deficiencies of a lot of the time mm-hmm. that could all cause exhaustion and fatigue. Mm-hmm. But there are several other nutrients that could just be suboptimal or might be hard to measure in general. So for example, um, zinc, copper, vitamin A, magnesium are, we can measure all of those and and just having suboptimal levels can contribute to poor energy. Things like potassium is another nutrient where we know that the vast majority of people don't get enough potassium and that can absolutely contribute to low energy. But it's very hard to test. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you can't just do a blood test for it and and see what what it is. And so that one we just kind of assume based okay. on you know diet assessment and things like that mm-hmm. that people aren't getting enough of. I think the last time they did an um, NHANES study to see potassium intake, they estimated a hundred percent of Americans wow. don't get enough potassium. Yeah. So as far as testing goes. I can order blood tests through LabCorp. So that's Mm -hmm. typically how I'm going to test nutrients with my clients. Um, So I'll test most of the nutrients that I mentioned just by ordering a blood test through LabCorp. Mm -hmm. And then I include that in my packages. So if if you work with me, that is included as a part of the process. Sure. Um, But you can also absolutely go through your doctor. And Mm -hmm. there are pros and cons to that. Pros are that it may be covered by insurance. Um, You're already working with your doctor. If you have a really good relationship with them, you might be able to just give them a list. Mm -hmm. Cons are for some nutrients, you have to be very specific about the the form of the nutrient and exactly how it's measured. Magnesium, for example, we want red blood cell magnesium. We don't want serum magnesium. Doctors may or may not be familiar with that. Most of them probably aren't. It's not their area of expertise. And then insurance is always really tricky. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can get blindsided by yeah. the 
costs, right? Your insurance does cover something. Yeah. Um, Well, that's the bummer is like in a standard blood panel that you get from the doctor, so many of these things aren't even included. You know, it's like the most basic level of iron, you know, Mm -hmm. labs and same Mm -hmm. with like, you know, thyroid, very minimal information Mm -hmm. is included there. And same with like vitamin D is never included. And, you know, there's so many things that are just not on that basic blood panel and people don't know to ask for them. And so, yeah, being able to have someone like yourself or like me say, okay, this, these are what you need to ask for in addition to what you've been given Mm -hmm. based on their symptoms or whatever the case may be. So that's helpful to know. Yeah. Absolutely. So with that said, you know, if someone does have either a deficiency or they're suboptimal in something, or even if they have like an excess of something, they Mm -hmm. should likely make some sort of changes. You know, oftentimes diet changes are going to be required, but oftentimes Mm -hmm. supplements may be needed as well. And so I had several people, of course, ask, what should we be looking for in supplements and which supplements might be most beneficial, which of course that's going to be dependent on the individual and whatever is going on for them. Um, Mm -hmm. But do you have some basic tips on like what to look for in terms of supplements? Yeah, sure. So anytime we're, you know, testing nutrients, of course, we're going to start with food. A lot of nutrients work synergistically. Yes. Zinc and copper, for example, I keep bringing them up, um, (laughs) but they compete with each other, right? And so if you get too much zinc, it's going to push your copper down. If you get too much copper, it's going to push your zinc down. And so in food, those things they work together and they they help balance each other out. Um, so we're going to do food first. But a lot of the time, if you have a deficiency, food is probably not going to be enough to help get you out of right. the deficiency in any reasonable period of time. Mm-hmm. Also, if that deficiency was caused by a digestive issue, like for example, um, if you have low stomach acid, it's very hard to digest and absorb B12. And so if that issue is ongoing, you know, you have to address that mm-hmm. if, if you're going to get any headway with, you know, B12 from your diet. So you might have to do a higher dose to, to bring those levels up. Um, sure. so when I'm looking for supplements, there are a couple of things we want to look for. Um, sort of the bare minimum standards would be USP or GMP verification that kind of just makes sure that what's in the bottle is what it says on the model. So we want to make sure that that's there. (laughs) Yes. But beyond that, I like to choose companies that I know that they're formulating their products really well, that they have really high quality ingredients, their storage is what it should be. They test for purity and potency. Their formulations, you know, be it nutrients or herbs or whatever it is, are really good. So they should have really detailed explanations of all of those things Mm -hmm. on their website readily available for us to check. So most of the time when I'm recommending supplements, they're professional grade supplements um, that aren't necessarily available at a regular grocery store or health food store, but there are certainly still brands that are fine at at health Mm -hmm. food stores, but I definitely use a lot of the professional grade stuff. Sure. Yeah. Do you have any favorite brands off the top of your head? For the professional grade ones, it totally depends on yeah. what the product There's is. There's so many. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Designs for Health is really good. Um, Pure Encapsulations is really mm-hmm. good. Oh my gosh, there's so many. I, yeah, that's I okay. At a health food store, it depends on on what we're getting. So I'll always check the labels for the forms of nutrients and things like that. Sure. But now brand has some good products that are very affordable. Mm-hmm. Jaro has some good products that are very affordable. 
for a prenatal, I like full well. That's definitely my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, that's what I take. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yes, it's a good one. So yeah, I mean, I'm sure if, if you gave me a specific product that yeah. you looking for, I could tell you a good brand probably. Sure. There's so many. Right. There's so many. And yes, like you said, it definitely depends on what you need and, and all of that kind of stuff. Okay, quick break to talk about the prenatals that I've been taking and loving for years. Full Well Fertility, formerly known as Full Circle Prenatal. These are formulated by a fellow registered dietitian who is passionate about women's health and wanted to create a supplement that was evidence-based, effective, and high quality. They didn't cut any corners with these prenatals. They use third-party independent testing for harmful contaminants such as heavy metals on every single batch produced, and these supplements provide optimal doses and bioavailable forms of nutrients to support women before, during, and after pregnancy. I can honestly say I've never felt nauseous from taking these, and I feel really good about all the research that Ayla has done to create such an incredible product. If you're in the market for prenatals, you can use my affiliate code wellnessforthewin to get 10% off your purchase. Okay, back to the show. Someone asked an interesting question that I thought would be helpful to touch on, and they asked, you know, if cravings have anything to do with nutritional deficiencies and whether or not that's like a sign that you need more of X, Y, Z. So do you have any thoughts on that or anything to to share on that topic? Um, They definitely can be a sign that you need more of something. I'm in general a big fan of listening to our bodies and, you know, respecting those messages that we're getting. If it's an intense craving and it doesn't go away easily, then, you know, I would want to test and see what's going on, get some nutrient tests Mm -hmm. and, and dig a little bit deeper. And, you know, sometimes they can be a little bit tricky to interpret. But yes, in general, they can be clues that we need more of a, a certain nutrient or a certain food. Sure. Absolutely. Yes. That's a a complex one for sure. Cause there's so many things that can go into cravings. You know, that's like a whole nother conversation. We could probably do a whole episode (laughs) on just that, but yes, in short, yes, it could possibly be. Um, Mm -hmm. so what are some of the most effective simple tweaks that you think someone can make to their diet to feel more energized for the day? Like what are some of the, the big things that you see yourself like repeatedly implementing with clients that they have like major success with in terms of their energy? Yeah. So one of the most basic, most important things that I tell people is to always have protein with every meal and snack. Yes. So just makes a huge difference in helping stabilize blood sugar, keep us full and satisfied. So that's a big one. Eating a high protein breakfast that's Mm -hmm. got, you know, carbs, fat, and protein, but we definitely don't want to skimp on the protein. I think breakfast typically is a really high carb meal. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not that the carbs are bad, but we want to make sure we have those, that protein there too. Sure. Give us good stable energy throughout the day, making sure that we eat before we have our coffee or at least during Mm -hmm. (laughs) while we're drinking the coffee. Um, so that we don't get that cortisol spike from the coffee. That's then going to kind of crash us later. So those are some things that can be really helpful. Um, Making sure you're really hydrated in the morning. So drinking electrolyte drinks can be really helpful in the morning to help with energy, especially in the morning, but throughout the day as well. So those are some good ones. Also um, eating every three to four hours and not Mm -hmm. going too long between meals. If you have energy issues, stretching that out for a really long period of time can definitely make it so that you don't have as much energy. 
Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm like nodding along to all of these because I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Those are yeah. all all really good ones. And I feel like, yes, I, I'm saying a lot of those same things all the time. And mm-hmm. like you mentioned too, you know, going back to that cravings thing, it's like, okay, if we're, you know, starting our day with just a bunch of coffee, no water, no food, and mm-hmm. then we're like, you know, making up for that later in the day. And then maybe those cravings are are sneaking in because we a, haven't had enough to eat, period, but we're having like blood sugar roller coasters. You know, yeah. there's so many things that can kind of contribute to that. So those are all really good and very like tangible tips that people can like start doing today or tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> depending on yeah. when they're listening to this. Um, so yes, those are some really good ones. And I know you mentioned with your own journey that you found that stress was a huge factor in all of the stuff that was going on. So I'd love to hear mm-hmm. you speak a little bit more on the impact of stress because I think you know, we oftentimes turn to diet and think about, okay, I need to cut out X, Y, Z and, you know, Mm -hmm. do all these crazy drastic things, but we're overlooking stress and sleep Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. You know, all the other aspects of our health that are really Mm -hmm. important. So what do you have to say about stress and kind of the the role that it plays in all of this? Yeah. So I, (laughs) I'm not a a mental health professional, but I am constantly preaching about this because (laughs) I don't think that the effects of stress can be underestimated. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just so crucial. So when we're stressed, our brain tells our adrenal glands to make more cortisol, right? And in the short term, that's really helpful. It helps us get through whatever we need to, but it does have some negative effects that we don't want to hang around for a really long time. So if we have chronic stress that's going on for you know a really long time, not only do we have some of those negative effects, but eventually our brain says, okay, this is not a great situation mm-hmm. and turns down the cortisol. So now when we have stress, we don't have enough cortisol to do what we need to do. And so we're exhausted all the time and we can't respond to our daily needs very well. And so you'll hear people refer to that as adrenal fatigue. It's a little bit of a misnomer, but it's it's kind of a helpful description. Yeah. And so that's one thing that stress can do that can over time really contribute to low energy levels. Mm-hmm. But it also depletes a lot of our nutrients. So a lot of our minerals, magnesium, sodium, potassium, copper, those can all be depleted by chronic stress. Um, vitamin C and our B vitamins can all be depleted by chronic stress. Um, we we burn through them more quickly and it increases our needs for those nutrients. And, and you know, over time we can end up with low levels if we're not having extra of those to make up for it. It can also suppress our thyroid. And if we have hypothyroidism, that can cause low energy and fatigue. Um, It can suppress digestion and really impair just about every digestive system can be triggered by stress. And it can also just make it a lot harder for, you know, our, our digestive enzymes to do what they need to do, our stomach acid to um, be secreted at the proper levels. Our microbiome can get out of whack. So many different things that stress can do. And then of course, if we have any other chronic conditions, um, autoimmune disease, for example, often triggered by stress. Mm-hmm. So it's it's definitely a really big one yeah. and it plays into a lot. When we're thinking about our lifestyle habits, sometimes we can't do anything about the stress. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a a new baby, for example, and you don't know what you're doing because Mm -hmm. it's so freaking hard. Mm -hmm. um, 
and you're not getting any sleep, that's a big stressor. You can't do anything about that. But what you can do is make sure that you're nourishing your body and repleting your nutrients and eating regularly and not over-exercising and doing everything that you can to tell your body that it's safe as much Mm -hmm. as possible. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, stress is huge. Yeah, totally. And and again, going back to everyone's immediate desire to go on elimination diets and do all these things when mm-hmm. their digestion is is off or something is, you know, wrong mm-hmm. in that department and they're not looking at stress and then they're doing an el- elimination diet that's causing a bunch more stress and then it's like not getting any better and it's just like this vicious cycle. Yeah. And I wanted to go back to you mentioned adrenal fatigue and mm-hmm. I think that's such a hot topic of conversation these days and I think there's like there's controversy on whether or not it's like a, you know, quote unquote, legit thing. And so Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your thoughts on adrenal fatigue and, you know, how you address that, if that's something that you work with clients on or, Mm -hmm. you know, that whole phenomenon, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It is a legit thing. It's just not exactly what it sounds like. So Mm -hmm. we, we hear adrenal fatigue and we think, oh, my adrenal glands are literally like running out of Mm -hmm. of cortisol, right? Yeah. Um, That's kind of what it sounds like, but that's not really what's happening. It's, it's more of a miscommunication between our, our brain and our adrenal glands because it's a negative feedback loop, Mm -hmm. right? So because cortisol, too much cortisol floating around for a long time can cause problems, our brain turns down the volume on that cortisol as a protective mechanism. So it's a good thing, but then having low cortisol after that causes other symptoms, fatigue Mm -hmm. and low blood pressure and things like that. So part of how we deal with that is just rest, stress management, sleep, taking care of our mental health, making sure that we're doing things that are fun and Mm -hmm. make us happy. Um, But then from a nutrition perspective, everything that we can do to help tell our body that it's safe. So fasting or intermittent fasting, things like that, there's some good research on that in some cases, but it's not a good time to do it if you're burnt out or under a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. If you have a thyroid issue, any of that, not a good time to do intermittent fasting mm-hmm. um, or any other kind of fasting or low carb diet, for example. Yes. So we want to make sure that you know we are having balanced meals, that we're eating pretty frequently, that we're exercising, but not high intensity exercise. We want to, you know, keep it lots of gentle movement throughout the day. And then depending on the person, moderate exercise is probably fine. Mm-hmm. We can test for some things with adrenal fatigue. There are um, some tests that can look at your cortisol patterns throughout the day. They can look at your cortisol in the morning when you wake up and see see what it's doing. Often we can make headway without doing that testing, but sometimes it can be really helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, We can also just test cortisol by itself in the morning and see, Mm -hmm. is that high or low? That gives us a little bit of information, but not a ton. So yeah, lots of different things we can do with that. And yes, I do (laughs) work with that quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely something that's talked about a lot. So I appreciate you kind of giving that overview because again, I think there's a lot of questions around it and sort of confusion as well. If you're looking for cute, affordable, comfortable, and ethically made activewear, listen up. I tried some pieces from Paragon Fitwear for the first time recently, and I fell in love. The naked crop top and high-rise naked leggings specifically are my personal favorites. They are buttery soft, so freaking cozy, and great for workouts or lounging around the house. 
They even have some work leisure items so you can look put together but still feel like you're in sweats. And as someone who works from home, I really appreciate these options. I have loved every item of clothing I've tried from there, so I definitely recommend checking them out if you're looking for some new workout clothes. You can use my affiliate code, Wellness for the Win, to save on your order at paragonfitwear.com. Okay, now back to the show. Something that you mentioned earlier, and you kind of touched on a little bit when you were going through a different nutrient imbalances that you see, but um, you touched on electrolytes. And so mm-hmm. I'd love to hear, you know, that's another popular thing these days too, is electrolyte drinks and, you know, should we all be drinking them? And of course, there's tons of different brands out there and that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So first of all, let's touch on like, okay, what nutrients are electrolytes? What mm-hmm. what even are those? You know, what are the the purpose of them and the benefits, best food sources of them as well? And why are they important for us regardless of whether we're an athlete? Because I think people, you know, most people think of like Gatorade, <laughs> you know, they think of like yeah. Gatorade drinks for sports, like high intensity sports. And so, you know, it doesn't necessarily only benefit people who are losing a ton of sweat doing like crazy intense athletic sports. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. can you touch on all things electrolytes? Yeah, sure. Um, (laughs) So electrolytes are minerals and the three most common ones that I think of are magnesium, sodium, and potassium. So those are the ones we usually look for in an electrolyte drink. There are other electrolytes too, but those are kind of the main ones. They help with fluid balance. They help our cells communicate. They do a million different things in our bodies, but kind of the the reason that they're included in Gatorade, for example, is because we need them for energy. They help us stay hydrated. They help our, our cells stay hydrated and they're depleted when we sweat. So mm-hmm. really important if you're an athlete because, or, or sweating in hot weather, anything like mm-hmm. that, because you're, you know, sweating them right off. Right. But they can be really beneficial for everyone um, in some circumstances because we may not be getting enough of them. So potassium, like I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. nearly 100% of people don't get enough potassium. Yeah, that's crazy. Even if you have a healthy diet, um, you you might not get enough potassium. Um, magnesium is really hard to get enough of because it's so depleted in their, our soil. So even the foods that we think of as being higher in magnesium don't necessarily have enough for us Mm -hmm. to to meet those needs without some extra. And then sodium is a little bit trickier because if we eat a lot of processed foods, we get a lot of sodium. Mm -hmm. If we eat a more whole foods-based diet, we can actually kind of swing the other direction and not get Mm -hmm. quite enough sodium. Um, And it varies a lot from person to person how much sodium you need. Some people are much more salt sensitive than others, but I have worked with so many people who have kind of, you know, lightheadedness, brain fog, low blood pressure Mm -hmm. types of symptoms that feel so much better on extra salt, extra sodium. And that can come in the form of, you know, salting your food or it can be these electrolyte drinks. Um, And I typically use ones that are stronger than a Gatorade or a Powerade mm-hmm. or something like that. Those don't really have a ton of electrolytes in them. Right. But yes, there are a lot of different products out there. And like mm-hmm. you said, there's so many different circumstances that may increase your need for these things as well. And mm-hmm. again, like for like pregnant moms or nursing moms, for example, um, mm-hmm. you know, you're fluid needs are up and all of these things, I guess, during pregnancy as well. But um, yeah, yeah, so that's helpful to to just be a reminder that and same with sodium. I think there's so much misinformation and confusion around sodium as well. And like you said, 
everyone's needs are different for a million different reasons. And Mm -hmm. um, just kind of noticing how how you respond, of course, any health conditions that you may have. But yeah, some people do need more sodium. And I think it's just like a demonized nutrient that everyone assumes is like bad, but it's like actually in some cases it can be helpful Um, and it can taste delicious. So, (laughs) you know, you die without it. I mean, it is really important. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that's a good reminder too, is like we literally need these nutrients like sodium. Yes. Is it's an essential thing that we need. So, Mm -hmm. um, but like you said, you know, if we're eating a more whole foods diet, which of course is ideal, then we, it's totally fine to, you know, salt your food slightly and, you know, you can get some that way. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a tricky balance. There's a lot of different things we could go into on that as well. (laughs) Someone also asked about food cycling, which I think they're probably referring to like carb cycling specifically, Mm -hmm. I would assume, unless you know about a different food cycling thing that I don't. Um, (laughs) But I think carb cycling is maybe what they're referring to. So any thoughts on this? And is this something that you ever do or recommend with clients or any experience with with carb cycling specifically? Yeah, sure. I don't have much experience with it. Certainly modifying our macronutrients can be beneficial in some circumstances, you know, athletes or, you know, there's there's research on things like ketogenic diet and brain health. I mean, there's lots of very specific circumstances right. where, you know, going really low carb and then cycling those carbs back up could potentially be beneficial. But the vast majority of people that I work with, it's not a great idea. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned earlier, we, we want to help our body know that it's safe and make mm-hmm. sure that it's fueled really well. So unless you are just super zen, don't have a lot of stress, and Mm -hmm. you're just trying to, you know, optimize some very specific areas, I typically don't recommend doing the the ultra low carb stuff. People can certainly have a variation in their carb tolerance. Mm -hmm. Some people do better a little lower, some people do better a little higher, but rarely do we want to go super low carb. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm glad you touched on that because it, it is true. I think, yeah, obviously the keto diet is still very much a thing and very popular or just low carb in general. I'm sure that you hear that from clients so often who want to to cut out carbs or think that they should because that's mm-hmm. what social media says, right? And, you know, it's it's very true that everyone is different and some people do feel better and thrive on a lower carb diet, whereas some people feel better on a moderate carb diet and some higher. And it just totally depends. And so, yeah, there's no one size fits all. And also for females specifically, you know, we have our menstrual cycles and that can impact a lot of things. And so Mm -hmm. it's okay for our intake to look a little bit different from day to day, but don't feel like you have to obsess over like every gram and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, totally agree with that. Someone asked about nutrition alternatives, or I think just kind of like healthy food choices in general that are affordable because obviously these days inflation is like, rising the cost Mm -hmm. of everything. And so we're all feeling that. Um, And, you know, the the truth is healthy food can sometimes be more expensive. There are lots of healthy Mm -hmm. options that are perfectly affordable, but it does require some level of planning and prep and all of these things. And so, you know, Mm -hmm. what are your some of your favorite tips or, you know, items at the store that are affordable, but also really good for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I shop at Aldi a lot. Um, Me too. Aldi and Costco. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's a good place to start. Just trying to choose stores that offer more affordable options, mm-hmm. watching for sales, yes. things like that. To some extent, you know, we can't, there's no substitute for fruits and veggies, right? Yeah. We have to get right. our fruits and veggies 
Aldi's pretty much as cheap as they get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that's that's a good option for that. Other ways you can save money would be stretching protein by using like beans and lentils. Mm-hmm. I typically recommend rather than doing like meatless Mondays or something like that, just decreasing your portion of animal protein and mm-hmm. stretching it with a plant-based protein. Yeah, That way you're getting, there are a lot of nutrients that are hard to get from plant-based proteins that we, mm-hmm. we get more from animal protein. And so by doing that, it can help us stay a little bit more balanced. And so cut your meat portion in half. Yeah. And then do a bunch of lentils or something like that mm-hmm. to balance it out. Nuts and seeds aren't cheap, but that would be another way to, to be right. Lentils are cheap though. Yes, absolutely. Those are very reasonable. And that's a great tip. And something that I think so many people could benefit from is just simply reducing portions of meat because you know, America is typically or is very um, meat heavy. Meat and potatoes mm-hmm. is what I hear from so many clients that, yeah. um, you know, some of my like Midwest. older clients. Yes, exactly. Midwest are like, my husband will only eat meat and potatoes. Um, so, you know, coming up with ideas. But those are, are great tips of, you know, just how to how to still be able to enjoy those foods, but just get a little bit of a better balance on your plate. Um, mm-hmm. So those are some good, good tips for sure. Someone also asked about how to get omega-3s without fish. Um, and that's kind of mm-hmm. like, like you said, there's no substitute really for fruits and vegetables and same kind of goes with omega-3s because of the forms. So can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. So if it's an issue of just not liking fish, then the best alternative is probably to take a high quality fish oil capsule. Um, Mm -hmm. I really like the Nordic Naturals brand. I think Mm -hmm. Fullwell recently launched uh, fish oil too. I'm sure theirs is amazing quality. It's great. Quality control is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. So those those are good options. Now, if you're allergic to fish and and that's why you're trying to get omega-3s, you're kind of back to plant-based omega-3s. So chia seeds, flax seeds, walnuts. You can get a teeny little bit from uh, eggs, uh, especially if they're, you know, free range eggs with the really orange yolks Mm -hmm. or grass-fed beef can have a little bit of omega-3. So it is really, really hard to meet your omega-3 needs just from plant-based sources. It's possible, but it's it's really hard. If you can't do fish, then um, I would try the the fish oil capsules, shellfish too. So like oysters, actually oysters and mussels are decent sources of, of omega-3s that I think we forget about. So mm-hmm. if you like those, or if you're not allergic to shellfish, but you are allergic to regular fish, you know, that yeah. could be an option. So yeah, those can yeah. definitely, I mean, really, really important. Another common deficiency. Mm-hmm. I don't see it directly playing into energy levels quite as much. But when I do test omega-3s, they're typically very low. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely something that most people are missing out on. And also it's like, like you said, if you don't, if you don't think you like fish, like salmon, for example, I challenge you to try it again because I think preparation is everything, you know, how it's prepared. Don't be afraid to like put some sauce of some sort on it and like mix it into a stir fry dish of some sort or something. It can Mm -hmm. make such a world of difference. Same with like vegetables, you know, how they're prepared makes or breaks whether or not they taste good. (laughs) So so try it again. Don't be afraid to try it again. Someone asked about your tips for women who have back-to-back pregnancies. And I thought this was a great Mm -hmm. question because pregnancy by itself is really hard on the body. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. It's very demanding. And then of course, so is postpartum. And then for women who are, you know, within that first year or even like first six months getting pregnant again, 
what mm-hmm. would your tips be on like how to restore or maintain nutrient levels during that time um, and help with energy postpartum, maybe on a subsequent pregnancy? Yeah. So I'm not a postpartum expert, but what I do know is just, you know, anything we can do to have really nourishing foods um, and then stay really diligent with your prenatal. So Like I said, I really love full well prenatal. Mm -hmm. Lily Nichols has a ton of really great stuff on both pregnancy and postpartum nutrition. And one Mm -hmm. thing that she says, um, which is easier said than done, Mm -hmm. is essentially to make every bite count. So if you are concerned about repleting nutrients, you want to be a lot more diligent if you can. I know it's really hard if you also have, uh, right. you know, little ones. Little one. yeah. <laughs> yeah. As diligent as you can to make sure that you're, you're eating very nutrient dense foods. So yeah, that's kind of um, something important to think about just trying to get as um, much nutrient density as you can. Sure. Absolutely. And resting as much as you can. Right. Yeah. All the things that are like that feel impossible when you're postpartum. But, you know, I I did an episode with Ayla, the founder and creator of Fullwell for episode eight. So if you guys Uh want to refer back to that one, we talk about um, nutrition before, during and after pregnancy. And she talks a lot about like leaning on your support system, you know, asking for help, having, you know, building like your village and having freezer Mm -hmm. meals ready to go. Like as much as you can plan ahead and ask for help, that can Mm -hmm. be so impactful in terms of your ability (laughs) to nourish yourself. Um, Because if you're anything like me, I know I try to do way too much myself in the beginning and then I'm like, okay, I need help, (laughs) you know? So don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be like too proud to ask for help because there's no shame in that because we all need it. Okay, so this was a very like specific question. So not sure how much we'll be able to speak to this, but it may be relevant to a wide variety of people depending on, you know, what what medications they're they're taking. So for example, Mm -hmm. there are a variety of medications that can potentially cause nutritional deficiencies. So someone was talking about like if they're weaning off of ADHD medications and they've caused Mm -hmm. some sort of deficiencies. And then of course there's like PPIs and, you know, all kinds of different things. Mm -hmm. So do you ever work with people with like weaning off of those things or how do you help with building up their nutrition stores when they're going through that process, if that makes sense? Yeah. So as far as weaning off of medications, that's definitely outside my scope. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. But as far as supporting people while they're on medications that may deplete them. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, uh, it certainly depends on the type of medication and what is going on. But typically, if we're concerned about that, I'm just going to test for it and right. see where are we at. You know, if mm-hmm. it's a, a nutrient that we can test, um, mm-hmm. see where we're at, and then supplement accordingly. If we're not in a place where we can test, then we focus on boosting the foods that contain those nutrients. So right. PPIs, for example truthfully impair digestion of just about everything, um, but mm-hmm. especially B12 and um, protein. And so we would we would do things to try to make sure that we're absorbing, digesting and absorbing those foods as best we can. Um, you know, maybe it's digestive enzymes, maybe it's um, extra B12, maybe it's just focusing on chewing our meat really, really well mm-hmm. so that we're stimulating as much stomach acid production as we can and breaking it down as, as best we can. So it depends, but lots of different yeah. ways we can support somebody in that 
in that time. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Those are some good, good things to think about. That was one thing I talked to another dietitian, Bethany Frazier for, gosh, I don't know what number episode it was, but if you, if you scroll way back, it was one of my first ones on gut health. And she talked, that was like one of her biggest takeaways was chew your food because Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so true. Like a lot of us don't think about it, but we're rushing through meals constantly. You know, we're Mm -hmm. eating so quickly and just shoveling our food, just like Mm -hmm. our toddlers or at least my toddler (laughs) and hardly chewing. Um, so that's just like a very easy thing that everyone could do, but it takes time. And, you know, it also takes thought to remember to do it as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Definitely. <laughs> um, Not so, something that comes naturally to us. Right. People. Exactly. So on the contrast of talking about chewing, someone asked if there are any benefits of juicing um, mm-hmm. other than it tasting good. And I thought this was a good one to touch on because that's another popular thing that you see on Instagram mm-hmm. and stuff too. So thoughts on juicing. Yeah. So certainly we're going to get high concentrations of a lot of vitamins and minerals because we're, you know, taking like a giant bushel of kale to get (laughs) one cup of juice, right? Right, right. Um, But most of the time that benefit is probably not going to be a good long-term plan. We're missing out on the fiber. We're we're missing out on um, some digestive benefits that happen when mm-hmm. we chew our food and, you know, yeah. really support our microbiome with, with all of those good prebiotics and good fiber. So mm-hmm. I definitely don't tend to recommend juicing. I don't think it hurts to have some juiced vegetables in your life, but I wouldn't mm-hmm. use those as a meal replacement or right. go on some sort of like juice cleanse or anything like that. It's more right. of a bonus mm-hmm. that you could add in if you wanted to. For sure. Yeah. And keeping in mind too, like you said, we there's like a crazy volume of fruits and vegetables that goes into it. So it's so expensive to mm-hmm. juice when really like, yeah, you are missing out on a lot of the great nutrition that you can get from whole fruits and vegetables, mm-hmm. not to mention they actually fill you up. So <laughs> mm-hmm. definitely okay to enjoy a nice green juice here and there, but don't feel like it or don't let it be your like main source of fruits and vegetables. Yeah. Um, yes, that's a good, good tip. If you are currently pregnant or postpartum and looking for some safe, effective, and quick workouts to do, you have to check out Expecting and Empowered. I used their workout guides during my pregnancy with Rhett, but now they are new and improved and they have an app for your phone, which makes it so easy and convenient to use. They even have Spotify playlists already created for you that you can access to listen to while you work out. These workouts are programmed specifically for your stage of pregnancy and or postpartum, and I know that when I was a first-time mom-to-be, I always felt super nervous about what types of exercise I should or shouldn't be doing, so I love knowing that they are all safe and supportive of the stage that you're in right now. The pregnancy workouts specifically include flexibility, pelvic floor, and strength moves, and they have workouts for upper body, lower body, and then a full body workout day. I have loved using these workouts so far during this pregnancy, and I'm excited to keep using them so I can continue to feel strong leading up to labor and recovery, and of course to keep up with my crazy toddler in the meantime. You can use my affiliate code wellnessforthewind to save when you sign up for the app. I'll leave all the information for you in the show notes as well. I hope you love it as much as I do. What about, so, and we can kind of just like briefly touch on this one, but I know we've talked a little bit about ways to incorporate more vegetables. That's always a common question that people have Mm -hmm. because people just truthfully struggle with vegetables. A lot of people just don't enjoy them or they don't, again, they don't think they enjoy them. But what are some of your favorite ways to incorporate vegetables or encourage your clients to do so? Um, Mm -hmm. And someone also asked about the best ways to store fruits and vegetables. So wondered if you had any tips on any of those things. 
Sure. So one of my favorite ways to get in more fruits and vegetables or more vegetables rather is yeah. in soups this time of year. Yes. Now the weather's getting colder. I add yes. vegetables to everything. So I do mm-hmm. lots of really um, veggie heavy soups. Beyond that, I always encourage people to think of the vegetable as the main dish mm-hmm. um, because I think it it just gets neglected. We, we don't mm-hmm. give vegetables the attention they deserve. And so then we end up with just like, a pile of steamed broccoli that's super boring and yes. not that great. Yes. Um, whereas if we prepared a recipe that's designed to make the broccoli taste good, mm-hmm. we would be much more likely to eat more of it. Um, so I look for recipes that are really veggie heavy to begin with. I also do a lot of really simple things like, you know, roasted veggies or throwing them in soups. I do a lot of finger food veggies and mm-hmm. dips. So like little, you know, bell pepper slices and hummus, things like that, that are just easy. So that I don't have to think too much about it or spend yeah. too much time preparing. As far as storage goes, I don't know that I have any special tips. I, yeah, yeah I feel like my food always goes bad. Plan, plan better than I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and maybe that'll help. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say planning is is definitely my biggest tip on storage because yeah. And, and also giving yourself permission to have a mix of fresh and frozen stuff, because mm-hmm. if you consistently struggle to get through fresh stuff, before it goes bad. There's nothing more frustrating. If you ask me, I hate throwing food away. So I get like so sad when I throw away something that just went bad. But yes, having a plan in place and knowing, you know, when you're going to make that thing. And also if you can prep some things ahead of time, like pre-chop something. And mm-hmm. if you're going to cook it within the, ne- the next day or two, it's usually just fine, stored in the refrigerator. And then mm-hmm. you're more likely to cook it and eat it than if it just sits there unchopped. <laughs> and then at the yeah. end of the week, you're like, well, shoot. <laughs> Once yeah. again, throwing away that, you know, spinach or whatever it is. Um, yeah. So yes, that's definitely, definitely helpful to plan. Someone asked a fun question that I thought, I mean, as dietitians, we'll think this is fun. But someone asked if you could ho- only have one kitchen up appliance besides like the built-in ones like a stove or oven or microwave what Mm -hmm. would it be like any like bonus kitchen appliance that you would enjoy oh my gosh (laughs) I don't know if if I have to pick one I know it's so hard I was gonna say my instant pot but then I remembered that how would I make coffee (laughs) (laughs) true I I feel like coffee doesn't count because that's like a that's like a drink thing versus like cooking thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we'll, so we'll put that in a different category. <laughs> okay. If coffee's in a different category than yeah. I think my instant pot, but I also okay. use my um, Vitamix quite a bit. Okay. Um, yeah. But my instant pot, I love, and it can be used as both a slow cooker and a pressure cooker. So it's really handy. See, I have, I have a, like a Ninja foodie and it has the pressure cooker function, but I Mm -hmm. never use it. I like forget Mm -hmm. about it. And I'm also like intimidated by it. I don't Mm -hmm. know. So I need to like dabble in more. Do you have any like favorite bloggers that have like instant pot recipes or anything? Um, yes, I get a lot of my recipes from the real food dietitians. Oh, okay. That, Um, which is Lily Nichols, right? Nope. It's, um, who is it? Oh gosh. I don't even remember their names. It's three different dietitians. Okay. But it's the real food dietitians. Gotcha. They have a bajillion recipes. They have a lot of instant nice. pot recipes. So I use okay. theirs a lot. But I even do stuff like, and this is a, a postpartum tip too, mm-hmm. like 
I'll get a jar of semi-healthy sauce, like a like a curry sauce or something that's mm-hmm. pre-made. Don't even have to think about it. Mm-hmm. And then just dump it in the Instant Pot with some chicken breasts or chicken thighs and mm-hmm. frozen veggies. I might add beans later on and just turn on, close the lid and cook mm-hmm. it and it's done. And I that's walk genius. away and don't even have to think about it. That's super <laughs> smart because I have some like tikka masala sauce uh-huh. my, yep. is that how you say it which I it's been sitting in my pantry for like five months and I have yet to use it so that's a great that would be an easy super easy way to use it yeah that's smart yeah okay there's one Good from tip. um Costco that we like I don't know they're in their you know holiday inventory right now where oh, okay it's all weird, but yeah. <laughs> last time I was there, they had it. Um, yeah. and it's, it's a really good one. Nice. Okay. That's a good tip. I'm going to share mine just for fun. I, gosh, I'm like you. I would probably, I haven't been in a smoothie phase lately because of course now it's getting colder, but I would normally mm-hmm. say my Nutribullet because I'm obsessed with that thing, or I guess it's a magic bullet regardless, my blender, because I use that a ton for smoothies. Mm-hmm. But otherwise... I also love my air fryer. I think a lot of people would agree with that. The air fryer yeah. is great. So I've been loving that lately. Um, so those would be my two. I know I we, I couldn't pick just one either. <laughs> yeah. One day I'm going to have to get an air fryer. You I don't am, have one. They no, are great. I don't want to buy one because they're so huge. They are. <laughs> they are. so much space. I know. Um, they're definitely super bulky. That is a downside for sure. Gosh, let's see. I'm going to look through this list really quick. I think we made it through every question that people asked. Was there anything that we missed that you wanted to mention, you know, or any like final takeaways or anything that you wanted to plug based on, you know, all the questions that you got in this conversation? Oh gosh, let's see. I guess just other things to think about with depletion and burnout and fatigue. A lot of times it can be foundational stuff like uh, nutrient imbalances that we talked about, um, sleep and stress and all of those things. But sometimes it can also be bigger things like autoimmune Mm -hmm. conditions. You know, for me, it was, I had chronic infections. I had autoimmune disease. So those foundations are crucial, Yeah, but you also want to make sure that if you address the foundations and you're not feeling better or, you know, not better enough, don't, don't just take it for granted that you should feel tired all the time. You should not feel tired all the time. Right. Um, and make sure that you check into it and check with your doctor. And that's something that I help people with too. Um, you know, gut issues for some people can cause energy problems. I work with a lot of digestive stuff. So yeah, just, just things to think about that it can be complex. You know, we want to make sure we address the foundations, test the nutrients, do all that good stuff. Um, But sometimes we need to even go deeper than that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then we didn't really talk too much about sleep, but obviously sleep is critical. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It goes without saying, but it can Mm -hmm. be really hard even if you don't have a fresh little munchkin, <laughs> right. it can yeah. be really hard for people to to get good sleep. And um, I, th- I think people don't realize how impactful a lot of our habits throughout the day can be on improving sleep quality. Our circadian mm-hmm. rhythm can be really sensitive to mm-hmm. a lot of the different things that we, we do. So our meal timing and screens and um, getting natural light in the morning and keeping our lights dim at night and things like that. I work with people a lot on too, just improving their environment and their sleep hygiene to optimize sleep so they can Mm -hmm. get good energy as well. Yeah. Um, Yes. I'm glad you touched on that because that is such a big one. And sleep, it's like this vicious cycle because if our sleep is bad, then it impacts our, of course, again, our our appetite or our our energy, which sometimes affects our desire to exercise. And then sometimes mm -hmm. that can lead to those cravings and, 
you know, and then we eat certain things that negatively impact our sleep. And it's just like, yeah, that vicious cycle that never ends. And so if you even want to go a little bit deeper into some of those things that you mentioned, like things we can do during the day, like you said, like the sunlight during the day, I think that's Mm -hmm. something that people don't know about. Um, Mm -hmm. Or just in general, like having having good sleep hygiene where you're like going to bed at a consistent time and waking Mm -hmm. up at a consistent time, like any other tips that you have on sleep are things that you commonly see that people need to improve upon. (laughs) Besides, of course, screens, like you said, you know, that's obviously a big one for pretty much everyone. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, screens and some people, you know, turning off your screens 30 minutes before bed is adequate. Other people, it needs to be like an hour, two hours to really see a benefit, which is, you know, super, super challenging. Mm -hmm. So screens are huge, getting natural light in the morning. So the reason this is important is because blue light, natural light from the sun stimulates the wake part of our sleep-wake cycle. Mm -hmm. And if we are in the dark in the morning and we're not getting that, it it can really make it harder to wake up and get our energy for the day. Mm -hmm. And then the same thing goes at night, that blue light suppresses melatonin production and and keeps us awake. It tells our, our body and our brain, I'm still supposed to be awake. And so that can make it hard to fall asleep. Having a really good wind down routine at night can be really powerful and doing the same thing. So it's, it's classical conditioning, right? Mm -hmm. Like teaching your, your brain to expect, I go through these steps and then I go to sleep and it helps Mm -hmm. you to be able to get into that relaxed state faster, fall asleep faster. There are lots of relaxation exercises that you can do, deep breathing, progressive muscle relaxation, meditations, um, you know, gentle bedtime yoga sequences, things like that, that can be really helpful. If I'm working with somebody who's really struggling with sleep and we've worked on foundations and they're still really struggling, there are some herbal supplements that we can use to help improve that. Those can be really beneficial. Carbs in the evening can be helpful for some people. Um, Mm -hmm. So the rule of thumb is not to eat within, you know, two to three hours of bedtime, right? And there are metabolic benefits to that. But some Mm -hmm. people find that having a little bit of carb, you know, with some protein, but specifically something that's a little carbier closer to bedtime can actually help improve sleep quality. Mm. Not a heavy meal, but, you know, a nice little bedtime snack can improve sleep quality for some people. Sure. Awesome. Yeah, those are some really good tips. And again, I'm just glad we touched on that because I think sleep is such a big one. Finally, tell us where people can find you. I I think this was so informative and so helpful and I hope people will have, I mean, there were so many great takeaways that again, people can like immediately apply to their lives. So I'd love to hear, you know, where people can find you on social media or if they want to work with you individually, tell Mm -hmm. us all the places that they can find you. Yeah. So my website is rachelsandovalrdn.com. So you can certainly find me there. I have an application to work with me. So you just fill out the application, answer some questions so I can get to know you a little bit better. And then we have a free um, 30 minute phone call if you're interested in working with me. So we can talk more about that. And then I'm on Instagram at rachelsandovalrdn. And I also have a free morning energy guide. So that can be really helpful. Um, A lot of the tips we talked about are in there, but I also have some of my favorite breakfast recipes and recipes for making your own 
electrolyte drinks that are a little bit higher caliber than Gatorade. Um, So that can be a a good resource too. But yeah, at Rachel Sandoval RDN on Instagram and rachelsandovalrdn.com. Perfect. Awesome. And of course, as always, I'll link those things up for you guys in the show notes so you can easily find them. I'll make sure you can find her little resource on the morning energy and stuff too. Perfect. Well, thank you so much again for your time. This was amazing. I really appreciate it and I hope everyone enjoys it. Yay. Thanks so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode and took away some tips or wisdom that you can apply to boost your health and happiness starting today. If you did, I would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and review to help other women like you find my show and get inspired to start living a life they love. Also, take a quick screenshot and share it to your Instagram stories. Be sure to tag me at wellness for the win so I can see why you love today's show. Thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time.